Thank you for tuning in to Coffee with Chris, a podcast for brokers in the Nevada insurance industry. Chris Carruthers is president of Carruthers Insurance Agency, a brokerage in Las Vegas that has been serving Nevada brokers and consumers since 1969. This podcast is an overview of the monthly event of the same name where brokers meet with Chris for a Q&A of current industry topics, trends, politics, news, resources, and more. For more information about the topics discussed today or about the scheduled event, please visit carothersinsurance.com forward slash coffee with Chris. I'm your host, Desiree Bain. Hello, we have another session with Coffee with Chris, and today we have a guest with us. His name is Roger Benefit. Roger Benefit, can you believe that? I blew that one up. No, Roger oh, Benefit perfect. with Group <laughs> Sales Representative with National General. It's kind of funny to start off with a little faux pas there, but it's funny how names kind of play into what we do for a living, isn't it? So welcome, Roger. <laughs> well, thank you for having me, Chris. I really do appreciate it, especially such short notice for getting me on here and uh, like I said, uh, even without a computer, I'm glad we're able to do it and make it happen. That's great. Well, today, as we do on our podcast, is we just like to, to just bring people up to date what's going on. You know, Coffee with Chris is really those different conversations that we typically don't have that we can actually finally have because there's always questions out there. Sometimes we're afraid to have the questions or have those conversations. Um, there's a lot of changes in our industry and and we're all trying to find ways to do what's best for our clients. And so being that National General has been around a long time um, under other names. So if you don't mind explaining the history, because we go back a long time, I think they're close to 30 years with your prior uh, company. We used to call Time Insurance Fortis. But can you go ahead and explain to us um, what your connection is and how that came about? Yeah, you got it. So, Chris, yeah, the biggest thing is the long-term connection between uh, Fortis, Assurance Health, the couple names you listed, and then Time Insurance goes back to John Alden and North Star Marketing. So, North Star Marketing is our sales division and team and leadership that has been in and out through you know those acquisitions and sales that took place during, I mean, shoot, early 2000s going into um, right into Obamacare. So 2015 is when we rolled into the national general brand. But that's the link between it all. You know, so your John Alden reps, you know, not, some of them are still here to this day with us on national general sales side. And the underwriting companies are the big, the big trigger. So the one that stayed with us the longest was time insurance, you know, and up until the industry shift come 14, 15, for both small employer group space and the individual space, that segment kind of hit the time block different. So what we did trans uh, kind of really transition into was a level funded program, which we did have on the assurance platform, um, was just certain degree more competitive than fully insured, but it just really depend. But what we saw was the profitability and opportunity to still bring in a great solution for your clients to save a ton of money year over year. And so with level funded just in the past five years, we've evolved very much. So, and, and currently we're running with a program for the small employer segment, two to 50 enrolled that really fits to be alongside your fully insured benefit plan. 
So kind of leaving it at that, Chris, you know, currently the program, especially in that under 50 size segment, you know, we're riding down to two enrolled and our program's really there to protect the small business. You know, Roger, that's unusual because obviously, you know, for those that are listening right now, you know, you hear self-funded and we want to run away because it's complicated, right? It's, it's uh, we have products today that are just off the shelf. You know, you just pick a plan and here's the rates and take it and run. But you just mentioned a couple of things. You found ways to save employers money. You mentioned that. But also, how how are you making something that's, you know, if you will, scary or difficult or whatever other uh, words you can come up with to describe stepping to something that's different? So help explain how you save employers money but also how do you take how do you take something complicated and make it easy with level funded so with national journals product it's really you know a bundled package so we have different tpa variables but the one tpa that's really kind of a standard for us has been a great partner allied benefit systems they're out of based in chicago and they've given us more of the network flexibility. So we have full Aetna, Cigna, PPO offerings. Um, in addition to that, we have reference-based pricing solutions that we do bring down to the small employer group space, again, even two enrolled with reference-based pricing. And all this with our partner, key partner, Allied. We do have Maritain Health. It's an Aetna company. So we do have another TPA partner that can bring solutions to the table that we can't bring with Allied. So having that TPA flexibility and then us being kind of the standalone for you. So what's what's kind of the medium between the two? It's National General and our stop loss insurance. But the bundled package is it's level month over month, the cash flow stays stable and you're pretty much maximum you're pretty much putting in your maximum fund amount month over month. And then if anything was exceeded due to the policy period being 12 months, we actually will grant our stop loss. So even if say month 1 you didn't necessarily meet what's called the aggregate deductible, so the stop-loss term where the insurance would normally pay. Because you're on our 12-month level-funded contract, even if you had month one high claim dollars come in, our stop-loss would pre-fund it until you've met that aggregate. And as long as you've stayed with us through the policy term, our insurance will continue to pay. So basically what's different with the level-funded is that when you think of self-funded, you're thinking, wow, um, I'm assuming the risk of an employer, a small employer, where, you know, we don't have those deep pockets, and all of a sudden you have a, a large claim, and all of a sudden um, they could have, you know, fixed, if you will, premiums with traditional insurance that we all understand. It was community-rated plans, if you will, whether based on age and plan design. What you've done is you've made a level-funded self-funded program so that everything is the same, meaning that they pay the same premium every month like a traditional small group employer, employer plan has. But like unlike traditional health insurance, with a level funded because it's self-funded, the benefit is there could be a refund of un unused dollars that are in the reserves, if you will, right, to go back to the employer. Is that correct? That's exactly right. And depending on size segment, state requirements, you're going to see what that aggregate amounts to. It varies, you know, state to state. You know, Nevada is a very different state than Arizona, where I'm calling you from. We're based, my Phoenix sales office oversees Nevada. Um, and then 
California, very different dynamic too. But we all have our niches, so we do have our place in the market. And again, even down to two, the products available. So, uh, but but yeah, we're we're there. What's the backside? Is there a backside? Did you say bad side? Is that good? Yeah, the bad side. What's the the front side is it's, it's great, right? And we're saving employers money, and the risk is limited. So that part's great. That's the front side. What's the back side? Where's where's the catch? Where where can the employer end up and maybe on the wrong side of the fence, if you will? On the on the is there some? What's the risk to the employer? What's the back side? Well, <laughs> up front, the dollar. So the cash flow is going to stay stable, but I mean, on a, on a true standpoint, you know, one bad side is just you know not every group's going to qualify. You know, not every group's going to get that rate. Uh, we do go through. So what we've been able to do is scale down using the fact that our program's governed by ERISA to kind of still underwrite and medically underwrite groups. And then the two to fifty segment, we're still doing kind of more of the old school application underwriting. Of course, technology in place. There's a number of platforms you can actually access that out. Um, Ease is one of them. Form Fire is kind of a little bit older, but we still use it. Um, easy apps. I mean, we we got a lot of platforms out there that make the application process seamless, but those questions are there for us to really assess the risk, but more importantly, just really identify the right risk that can get us the most competitive rate for your client that year. So basically, it's like you mentioned, old school. If anyone that's listening right now realizes what we're saying by old school, years ago before the Affordable Care Act, when we did health insurance, whether it was individual or group, we actually had to underwrite it, which meant there was health questions, right? And so when we had health questions, then the, the, uh, the group plan had the ability to underwrite to know the risks to assign the proper rates to be able to uh, then make it win for everybody. And so because of that, I think how you're saving employers money is because you're able to underwrite, you can actually reward those groups that have the right demographics actually offer them a lower cost plan and the possible refund. Is that what I'm hearing? A hundred percent. And something to kind of even bounce off that is that even where there's risk, we have a scale, you know, I mean, me as your rep, I have the guideline of my underwriters. So I can give you a pretty strong ballpark, you know, just by getting a feel of you, you as a broker, having done your field underwriting or myself can identify some key conditions or key medications that I can try to key in and get you, a, a, like I said, a strong ballpark on where we should be. Um, mm-hmm. Not not only that, though, something that, you know, a long time ago, well, we're asking for applications from every carrier years ago. You didn't want a base rate. You didn't care where anybody's base rates were. You wanted the final rate. You know, everybody was bidding on the same piece of business, and with that, it was really up to the, you know, best underwriting company in that market that year, right? And with that in mind, nowadays, we're one of the few carriers still asking for that requirement. So I still just let brokers know, hey, you're sending out the renewal census information to get a feel and bid your client out. That's all I need to get you kind of a base rate. And my base rates are what I like to say, got a little meat on the bone there, Chris. So we do assess some risks. Some groups can actually qualify for lower than my standard rate. Some can, many groups actually qualify for right at it. And then, of course, we can kind of go up and tear down depending on benefits and risk. And we'll look at that leaning on me to kind of be your guide through all that um, right. when we're going through it. But 
just knowing that to get a feel for my numbers, I only need a census and I can turn around that same day. And if you've done your field underwriting, I can get you a, a pretty firm ballpark same day. You know, obviously we're going to need the applications and underwriting to go through it and finalize it, but brokers move quick in this market. And when you have an opportunity and you think it's a good one, you know, lean on me to get you, get after it for you. Great. So the meat on the bones, even if there's a little extra meat on the bones, it could have been a little bit lower cost. The bottom line is, is um, that just means there could be a little bit extra refund. Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So and the, yeah. how does your refund work? So the surplus is based on the aggregate deductible. So if you ever look at my proposals, we have it spelt out, and it's really just kind of the chassis of the self-funded because, like I said, your premiums are level, and your fixed cost is fixed on those composite rates. So if you add somebody, drop somebody, your rates fluctuate throughout the policy term by that much. But in the scenario of where the refund is allocated, it's based on a 12 um, 12 month contract, and we have different variances. If you're on my reference based pricing, we usually have a nine month runout. But in general, selling my network plans, you're going to have a six month, six month runout. So that's what we call a 12 18 in the level funded terms. And all that, that period, so the 18, 18th month from your effective date, that's just when you'll get the refund. We give you a refund regardless if you renew. No other level funded carrier is going to guarantee that. And the biggest thing is it's never in the form, or it, it, you can get it in premium credits, but we normally send it out in the form of a check. So even if you left us with some other carrier that year, you would still be allocated that refund from that 12-month policy period. Okay. Okay. Now, um, so basically it depends on – you just have to wait for the runout to finish out. So maybe maybe the rest of those claims finish coming in is what that's for. The runouts for those claims that – those lagging claims. Yep. claims, how many times do we have to wait for that doctor's office or that hospital to finish, settle up their billing to get paid, so then you guys know what you have left over to see if you hit those thresholds, right, of claims. Yeah. With, and then the annual aggregate limit, um, and then you get a percentage of that is how it comes back? Is that how Yeah, so wait, and I'll get to the percentage because something I want to allude to is even after we've finished the run out, uh, folks listening, uh, we do have what's called a terminal liability option that's built into my plan. The reason this is, is we're talking small employers, some as little as two enrolled. So lagging claims is never something we want a group to be responsible for. So we have a TLO that extends another 18 months past that run out. So our contract really looks like a 1236. Even after we've cut you the check, 18 months after that, we're still protecting you with our stop loss insurance. So if a lagging claim comes in from that policy period, we're going to pay it. No harm to the employer and we're never going after that refund. That's that's important. That's really <laughs> that could be really scary. Uh, yeah, a well, in a small a small employer, you know. I mean, cuz what are the claims that are you're seeing in that month 7 8 period? It's the big ones. It's the last minute surgeries that were done on the policy. These are the big tickets and we don't want our small employers ever to be responsible for it. So we've built that into our plans for the small group. So in the 51 plus segment, which we term our large group segment, we get more flexible with our contract period. So folks that are listening, if you're used to kind of different flexible uh, contracts, when you get into that larger mid-market space, that's what we do. Um, however, when we're talking small employers, it's a 1236 is what it's looking like. Great. Great. So the refunds that go to the employer, does the employer get to keep it? Does, does the employer have to share it? 
No. So it goes in the form of a check to the company, and it's 50 or 100%. I usually quote out, if we're talking small groups here, I usually quote it at the 50. It gets me a better rate up front for you, which, again, reduces the cash flow month over month for your employer. So helps you kind of keep costs low, and that's the goal for many small businesses, especially under the current climate. So you're saying you get 50% or 100% of the aggregate? Aggregate, whatever remains of it. Understood. Okay, whatever remains of it. Perfect. Thank you. And um, let's see, what else can we talk? Is there any industries that are better, because it is industry rated as well, based on their SIC code, right? Plus, any age, sex, demographics that you found that's the sweet spot? Yeah, I mean, younger male-dominated industries are usually going to get definitely a better base rate. You know, obviously, once we go through the risk, that can be a different dynamic. But um, heavy-dependent groups, regardless of the census, we can be very competitive in, even in any industry. Um, most of the industries that get the better rate are kind of your ITs, your office, so agencies. These actually get pretty competitive rates from us. Doctors' offices have a little bit higher premium, but with the right census guarantee, we can still qualify them for a competitive rate. So. Good. Thank you. Um, a couple other thoughts. So also when I look at your quotes, proposals here, they sure look like regular health insurance. And so basically um, to the consumer or to the employees and the employer, literally it looks like traditional insurance. Is there any mm -hmm. limitations, exclusions? Elaborate a little bit more on that. You know, I'm going to be very, very blunt. Chris, so we have 10 essential health benefits ACA compliant plans have to abide by. We exclude one, pediatric dental and vision, which we both know, Chris, is why everybody buys major medical insurance. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, but that is the direct exclusion. So, but besides that point, your rehab, your habilitative, all that, all those services are covered. You know, certain plan limitations for small employers may apply to mental health, like a certain number of visits per calendar year or not calendar, policy year, pardon me, so it's from your effective date. So based on your policy year, um, they might be like certain limitations on that, but in true regards, I mean, from a benefit by benefit, the only actual exclusion is pediatric dental and vision. The rest of it really feels just like your fully insured compact benefit. So employees should feel no different. Yeah, it just tr tr That just uh, triggers something in my head. So is your – your out-of-pocket, your deductible, and your max out-of-pocket, is it on calendar year or policy year? Say that again for me. Yeah. We can do both. And we can include deductible rollover. So that's kind of standard. If you're on that, uh, not say you have a September 1st effective date, but calendar year deductible, so it resets in January, we can uh, apply those credits all the way through September on the current policy. We can also have you forfeit those credits. So folks listening Going into fourth quarter, those of November and December 1st effective dates that have calendar year deductibles, if they actually want to reduce and forfeit that credit, I can reduce premiums by nearly another 5%. So another option on the table. Well, we haven't seen deductible rollovers in a long time, so that's a pretty amazing thing to even consider even having it as part of a discussion again. Yeah, yeah, and group and, and brokers that have a big book in that fourth quarter, I mean, really know that we can switch your effective date and keep you on your calendar year. So all those groups that are on a January 1, we can move you folks mid-year, apply those credits, no loss to the client, and keep them on that calendar year deductible base. Okay. Okay, so what, what about um, the buzzword these days with healthcare? It's been all over the news because of COVID and everything else, and everyone's talking about 
one form of benefit that we should all take advantage of. Do you guys have telemedicine? We do. It's a $5 PEPM, so per employee per month, but because we're composite rated folks listening, that it is something that we do build into the composite. So if you didn't, if we didn't quote telemedicine, for instance, in the initial quote and where you would see that is on page two of our quotes, there's like a little overview and it says telemedicine. If it says no, then clearly we didn't include it. To add it in, it's $5 per employee per month, but it probably impacts the composite rates by maybe a dollar or so um, usually. So it's very negligible to add it in, but very inexpensive. It is teledoc and 24-7.com doctor services on the on the fly and hsa plans by the way on our networks there's no more access fee so there used to be like a hidden 40 dollar access fee for using telemedicine with an hsa it's now first dollar so teledoc is free even with an hsa so it's free on on all options wonderful on all options yep used That's to be great. just co-pays so um very interesting so what about on your formulary do you do anything unique differently there compared to other carriers to help save on cost? Do you even is that a door that's even opened or anything you can add to that that the question? Not, not much flexibility there. We use one pharmacy benefit manager and it's always Cigna. So Cigna PBM is always there and virtually it's like no matter what TPA you use, which would be Allied or Maritain, on the right hand of your ID card, right hand side will show your Cigna RX bin number in group number that you would reference for pharmacy. So simply dropping your ID card off, your pharmacist will know to file directly to Cigna. So we're always using Cigna PBM no matter what network, even if I do the Aetna PPO or something like that, Chris, you're always gonna have Cigna's PBM and it's on the three tier advantage formulary. So very competitive, but the beauty of it is those a lot of those insulins that fall into your tier four category can actually fall into our tiers two and three. So kind of lower cost, but some injectable medications may be subject to the deductible, and that usually is the high-cost ones, like an Embrel or a Humira, which sometimes on our benefit plans, it may increase premiums quite a bit. So, But it just really depends, obviously, on the group size and segment. Very good. Very good. So one of the things that um, we, we skimmed over earlier that I should probably bring back is because we – most of us know what a PPO network is that's listening to the phone on the phone, and we know that you know carriers and the contracts in advance allow you those, if you will, those wholesale rates and allows us to have better pricing and on our plans because we have a fixed fee structure in advance with the providers. But you you mentioned something called reference based pricing. So tell me about that and 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 how that works and and what does it do to the cost of your plan that you're offering? Well, right off the bat, so what it is, is it's virtually a, a done deal. So we don't include networks here. There's no wrap. There's some folks out there that may term reference-based pricing, but then they maybe place it with like a PHCS PPO um, that kind of wraps with the plan. So we have a bunch of variants. We do have some wraps. We do have something called a flex, but our true reference-based pricing is what we call core value. It's National General's term for the program. And core value is just a no-network plan that pays on a certain percentage of what Medicare would pay providers and facilities depending on the charges. So inpatient, 150% to what Medicare would pay, and for outpatient, 130% to what Medicare would pay. So the uniqueness of this kind of program is one, right off the bat, 
there's no contract. So the freedom of being able to have your $40 copay, whether you go to Dr. John or Dr. Smith up and down the road, you'll be able to get that $40 copay. The thing that's noted is because no contract is in place, if throughout the billing process, you were to ever receive a bill that did not match your EOB, so your explanation of benefits showed you know, your deductible responsibility, but then you got a bill that was higher. You call my team, it's called member advocacy, and we take care of it from there. So usually there's kind of a negotiation process that happens on the back end, but from the member's perspective, what we're doing is we're taking that balance bill and within 30 days, pretty much annihilating it. So we either go back with the provider, negotiate it down, or actually kind of set a standard and kind of make a one-time agreement and actually pay out the balance bill. None of this is the member responsibility. It may come from the claims fund, but more importantly, it will come from the stop loss. So there's no member responsibility, and at worst, you may get it hit from your claims bucket, but even the employer wouldn't fall responsible since it's still under the level-funded contract. So basically, you just said that there, you know, if you have a $40 copay and and let's say that uh, they, there was no there's no balance billing to the employee, that it's just going to be absorbed. So we don't have to worry about something um, being at what's called you know, excess over what's reasonable. Excess, yeah, right. And, and 98% of the time we don't run into that, Chris, you know, so they, they usually will accept it, right? They're not going to bother with it. Um, it's just in that 2% offset, we have a solution for your member and, and to avoid that disruption. So how's it working? Have you seen other, obviously you're using it, you've been living it. Yeah, so yeah. what's your experience? I mean, is it, is it working? Is it working well? Um, what are the clients? What's your, what's the broker saying? What's the client saying? What are you, what's your experience? Well, retention over our current book, which runs currently around 76% retention. That's kind of like all sizes, all group segments, two to two plus, you know, and all programs involved. But our retention on reference-based pricing core value is sitting right around the 85%, and our goal is to push that into the 90th percentile for small group. Our 51-plus size segment, though, is pushing more towards the 95 percentile for retention. So clients love the program. It's been sitting exceptionally well, and with over 900,000 claims processed, um, again, we've only seen the 2% experience of balance billing and just being able to have that concierge team and somebody on the other line that you know is working that solution for you and knowing that you can take a breath of fresh air and it's not your responsibility is never a bad thing to have. So, friend in the business. So, are you going to help us close our cases if, if we're brand new to this and help us step in and help uh, reassure that employer stepping into um, a new pool, if you will, a new way of doing yeah. things? Core value, I I stress to the brokers, get me on the calls. I want to be in the enrollment meetings. I want to have the conversation with your employers on how the program works, and it also needs to be understood at the employee level how the program works. It's not so much, you know, checking if a doctor's in the network anymore, because remember, there's no network. It's just a matter of pretty much getting that ID card in front of the provider and making sure they bill the insurance first. And that's the, the end of the day. Is, is what's going to bring a lot of solutions to the market. But the pricing is a big one we didn't talk about. It's about a 15 upwards of 20%, depending on your market and area, from what my Aetna or Cigna networks would cost. Wow. That's substantial. That's um, people are looking for. I think there's a couple of things we didn't we want to tidy up, too. One is, as we talked about, composite rates versus 
community rates. So community rates is what we're used to selling right off the shelf. It's based on everyone's age. Composite rate is an average. So go ahead and just lend a little bit more information on how um, you like your composite rates and what makes it special. What makes it? What do you think that's that's a benefit to an employer? Isn't? Don't you think? I do. Most, I, I mean, most certainly. So if you compare to age band, it's the cash flow that I've been kind of pretty. I've been saying this word often, but what it, what I'm trying to stress is that you know your dollar figure month over month, your cash flow. And so composite rates, you know what that employee is going to cost you next month. You don't need to worry if they're 52 or 38 on what that's going to do to the premium and what your contribution is. So it puts a standard. It, it, it makes it easy, especially from a billing standpoint. You know, nowadays there's some folks that can composite rates for you. But again, the cash flow is not it's not there. You're, you're having to still adjust as folks are being added to the plan and that census vari variance changes throughout the year. But you know, you're locked in on a composite rate. It's a beautiful thing because it keeps the billing simple um, and, and the cycle easy. Right. So I guess what the the one other question, I guess, is always that elephant in the room, I guess, is, you know, renewals. I know that um, we saw big renewal changes, but it was across the board with everyone when the Affordable Care Act kicked in and everyone was trying to rate properly. And they finally seemed to have stabilized, if you will. And. And growing our books of business has always been that if you can have stable rates with a carrier, um, you continue to renew that business um, with that carrier. And there's been carriers in our market that have done a great job for many years in town to where um, they're probably the largest carrier in the state just because of they have been, they've managed their renewals really well. And and so how how is it running? Because that's you know when you when you're self funded, level funded, and and you're worried about those shock losses, those claims, you know, um, demographic changes in a group obviously can obviously impact that as well. What what are you seeing? What is your experience? Is there anything that we can share that the listeners can say, okay, I can write this and and have confidence, or at least if not, what do I share with my employer so that we know how to address going in? Something new. Well, definitely in a high renewal scenario, one is we don't we don't just deliver renewal. So my underwriting may my underwriting team at renewal does a price point at the 60 day mark. Open enrollment's 30 days from. So if you do get an increase, one thing I would immediately do is go back to our account manager and ask what that increase was from. If we find out it was a census demographic that's no longer accurate, for instance, if we were at five enrolled and went down to two, that census change can dramatically impact how we, you know, now have to draw the composites out for that group, right? You know, that's a big demographic swing. Where if you find out no, but we hired two more on and they're going to be coming on open enrollment, and you can actually come back with us, and we'll get back with my underwriter to reprice that group and get you a more competitive rate. So just knowing that you have a dedicated account manager working between the underwriter, they're not just pricing the renewals. We're working you know, year over year to retain that business. And I think why our retention has been exceeding and excelling, so in the 51-plus segment going upwards of 95%, is because of that. You know, We don't just deliver it. We're staying after it and year over year trying to retain your business. Hmm. Very good. So what about um, COBRA and Section 125 pop plans? Can you tell me about, can you provide those services and for groups? And um, 
Tell me more about it. So if you check no in our employer documents, we'll give you Section 125 for free. And we can even add other lines if you'd like. But keeping it simple, we can add the medical benefit very simply and seamless. Uh, the plan documents are always available in our portal through Allied Benefit Systems and Maritain. You'd have to request it. But and you can download them so that you can have copies on file, and, you know, at least in the office. But in true standards, you do have it available in that portal at all times. Um, and it's the cafeteria plan. So it references the full plan Wonderful. document for the Section 125. It's all available in that portal. And then we also do give COBRA administration. We can do it for free through our TPA. There is an admin fee, but that's actually at the uh, member level. So the COBRA member would pay that alongside their premium payment, and we deal with them front first. The employer is completely left out of the loop. All they got to do is notify us with the termination form, and we send out the documents and do the COBRA administration. And we can do that for any size group, Chris. So brokers hmm. listening out there, does it need to be the 20-plus segment? There's some uh, states out there that do require, you know, mini COBRA, what they call it. We can do it for any size group. So if you want us to do so, let us know because it is completely free. Wow. So you can offer that just because the employer would like to offer to their employees COBRA, even if they're not even truly a, a 20 employee group, is what you're saying. Exactly right. And we do it down to two. So, I mean, it's I mean, at the end of the day, you know, folks don't always want that scenario because they will sit on your plan for like 60 days, you know, and those invoices are due timely, and then we credit you anything if they don't pay. I think now it went to 60 days with the COVID scenario, but usually it's 30. But there's been some extensions with COBRA um, on when we allow uh, the COBRA member, member to respond with the benefit package. Wow. So you offer a lot. You offer something different. It's going back to some uncommon ways now, but it's leaving options for employers to consider for their employees. So it's worth putting on the table. And um, and so that's very interesting. And so – yeah. Uncommon, Chris, but back to the fundamentals. You know, it, it really doesn't feel too different than what the, you know, what we were all selling, you know, a decade ago. So for those listening, um, some of the acronyms you're not maybe familiar with, when you listen to them, write them down. Um, give us a call. We'll answer your questions. You know, call in the office, and we're glad to help you out. Um, Roger Benefit with National General. He's here to help us out, even though he's in the Phoenix area. Um, he's glad to help us any way he can to help us you know, land a case and serve our clients with the utmost integrity. And so um, with that, Roger, I thank you for your time. And do you have any other closing thoughts that maybe we've got to, to mention? No, just want to thank you for the opportunity of being on the call and you know, just really lean on me as your expert in this field. If it's new, if it's new, I can get on these calls. I can have these discussions with the employers. We spoke about the reference-based pricing, but even if it's on a network plan, you know, lean on me to kind of guide them through it. Roger, they just they don't understand the whole Cigna PBM piece. Can you get back on there and kind of explain it? Really lean on me to be that expert, and I'd be more than happy to field those calls, get on there with you, and even set up the conferences if needed. Great. So I ask you in closing, um, as part of this podcast, when you log on to our website and through the different other resources, we will have some attachments, some collateral for you to do some studying. So if you would, Roger, when we get done today, let's go ahead and if you could forward some information to 
I can attach on our website so they can have some literature to study. I would be much appreciated. And we thank you for your time, and uh, we look forward to our continued discussions. So have a great yeah. afternoon. Have a great afternoon, everyone. Thanks, Chris. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. For more about the topics discussed here today, please visit us at carothersinsurance.com forward slash coffee with Chris. Until next time.